Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, Church. I will be reading from Matthew chapter 8, verses uh, 5 to 13. And this is, uh, I'm reading from the New International Version. The fate of the centurion. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you this, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go. Let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. And thank you, Sister Elvina, for reading God's word to us this morning. We, will, we are coming before the word of God at this time. And as we do that, um, I would request you that... Uh, you carry your Bibles to this virtual church. It's very important because if you don't have the Bible, we don't have a message to preach this morning. And uh, today, it's uh, the second message in our new series on the miracles of Jesus. Last Sunday, we, we looked at the first one. And today, we are going to look at the second one, which is the which is he i have entitled is healing from a distance now there are certain exercises that we all have to do and therefore i said please bring your bibles um and um the first thing i want to give you a context is that uh, you know um this is as this particular incident is a series of of miracles that happened in that chapter. So what the first thing that we will try to do is this. So I'm asking a question. The question is, how many miracles are recorded in Matthew chapter eight and nine? How many miracles are recorded in Matthew chapter eight and nine? Can you quickly count? Take out your Bibles, look at Matthew eight and nine and tell me how many. I'll give you half a minute, 30 seconds. You can write in the chat. Okay. Okay. Eight, nine, nine, thirteen. Wow. Okay. Eight, eight. Fine. 
So, okay, good. I'm happy. This was a basically not a test of the counting. It was a test that you all have opened your Bibles. Uh, thank you for doing that. Um, so basically, there are 10 miracles which has happened. 10. But there are 2 and 2 together. So if may, you may count 8, you may count 9. But these are the list of, these are the list of miracles that is there uh, in Matthew chapter 8 and 9. The man with the leprosy. Today we are looking at centurion servant, Peter's mother-in-law. And then after Peter, Peter's mother-in-law, there are many people who are healed. So if you look at that, there will be probably hundreds. But uh, we are just taking the instances. And Jesus calms the storm. He heals uh, the two demon-possessed men. He heals a paralytic, the dead girl, the sick woman, the two blind men, demon-possessed mute men. So probably some of you who have counted 12 or 13, maybe you have counted two blind men as two, uh, which is fine. But basically, um, uh, I, I really thank you that uh, you have opened your Bibles and, uh, and we're ready, ready, ready to go. Now, why I said this uh, is important, you know, this 10 miracles. You know, what was happening, a bit of a context to this particular passage. Um, Jesus, you know, this happened in Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7. Uh, Matthew presents Jesus giving some authoritative teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. And now, in a way, Matthew shows that Jesus not only had the authority to, to teach, but also followed up with the power and authority to demonstrate. So therefore, what he taught, the Sermon on the Mount in between chapter 5 and chapter 7, if you look at chapter 8 and 9, the series of miracles were basically what he was trying to do was to stamp his authority that he is the one who can also, he has the authority to demonstrate. So what do these miracles show? These 10 miracles that we saw, 12 or whichever number you have noted. This shows that the authority of Jesus over sickness, over suffering, over Satan, over nature, over sin. These are the five things that Jesus has authority over in these 10 miracles that we see. So this is the underlying, underlying thing. He has authority over sickness, over suffering, over Satan, over nature, and over sin. Okay, now let's get started. But when we get started, we will do another exercise. And exercise is this. We are going to go for a faith test. A faith test. And I'm going to launch a poll. And please select one option. One option. And this, you know how the polls operate? Your name won't come up. So don't, don't be ashamed to put whatever, uh, whatever comes to your mind. Oops, some people have already taken the test, I guess. But... I think. Brother, you close your screen. Uh -huh. uh, the, uh, okay. 
No lunch. No? No. Yeah, lunch. No, I think. I think somebody has already taken the test. So, okay, what we will do is uh, we'll do something different. You know, I mean, the challenge of technology. Now, it's okay. Uncle, uh, Uncle, I have relaunched the poll. You can do it again. Look, everybody can participate. Okay, okay, okay. Fine, fine, fine. Thank you. Outstanding then and okay. Okay. So, are you able to see the poll? Yeah. Okay. Now, you take about 15 seconds. So what is the level of a faith? Outstanding, average, low. Thank you. There are 33 who have taken that poll. Maybe another five seconds if anyone wants to participate. Okay, we'll end the poll now. There are 35 we have ended and, and this is how it looks like for SDC. You know, there are 31% who have outstanding faith and 60% have average faith and 9% have low faith. That's what is our own estimation. But I must say that you people are modest, you are humble, and at the same time, probably you hunger for more. You, and therefore you have put um, uh, these uh, numbers. Whatever it is, it is important that we, we strive continuously in our faith journey to Jesus. And that is what this today's sermon is all about. And let's get started. Okay, now you have heard the passage, uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 5 to 13. Okay, now we, we, we start with the centurion's request. You know, this is a centurion who comes to Jesus. And as Jesus was entering Capernaum, this centurion comes and he says, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? Okay. So this is the request, very simple, straightforward request that the centurion made. And this miracle is taking place in Capernaum, which is a small fishing community or a town which is about 1,500 people. And this is the hometown of a number of disciples of Jesus, including Peter, James, John, Andrew, and Matthew. And although Jesus was originally from Nazareth. Capernaum became his mission field, his hometown in, in a new hometown in some sense. And, uh, and it was the center of a lot of his activities and miracles. So what we observe, we observe that the first thing that we observe in this three verses is that you can come to Jesus for help. You can come to Jesus for help. You know, Jesus enters Capernaum, the centurion comes to him asking for help. Now, you know who, who was the centurion? Centurion was an officer in the Roman army 
who was in century 100. So he was in charge of 100 men, as simple as that. This man definitely was not a Jew. He would have been a Gentile. And he comes to Jesus asking for help for his servant. His servant is lying at home and he's paralyzed and he's under terrible suffering. And you know, this particular incident in, in, in Luke, it says that um, he was critical condition and was close to dying. One thing I want you to note here, very important. It is this, that this passage is not about the servant. We even don't know who he was. He never appears in this passage, except when Centurion brings his name. He doesn't even have a name about the Centurion talks about him. Okay. So it is not about healing per se of, of the actual disease. What was the disease? Why he was, how he was healed? It was nothing of that sort. The Centurion comes to Jesus asking for help, which is both a reminder to us and an encouragement to us that you and I can come to Jesus for help at any time. This is what was the Centurion doing. He just comes to Jesus for help. If the Centurion, a Gentile, a Roman officer could come to Jesus for help, you and I can come to Jesus anytime. He was part of an army which was oppressing God's people. If he could come, then you can come and I can come. And the second thing is that when we come to Jesus, it is not about ourselves alone. We can come and we can pray. We can ask, we can intercede for others. And this is what the centurion is doing. He is not coming with a request for himself. He's coming for a request for others. And that's what exactly we do, what pastor was mentioning the notices. When we come together and pray as a church, we are praying for others. So brothers and sisters, please come. Please come to the feet of Jesus. Intercede for each other. Intercede for others. And that is what exactly is needed. So you can come to Jesus for help as the centurion came. The second thing is Jesus is willing and able to help you. Jesus is willing and able to help you. He is not only willing, he is able. Look at what Jesus tells the centurion. He says, shall I come and heal him? Shall I come and heal him? You know, in Old Testament, the, uh, the rabbis taught that the Jews, if they enter a Gentile's home, they would become unclean. And, and the message that Jesus gives here is that he is not afraid to get into the home of a Gentile. So he's offering, can I come and heal him? Whereas a Jew would have been hesitant. So Jesus is not only willing, but he's able. He's not, he's not saying, well, you know, let me come and see what I can do. You know, sometimes if we are not very confident of who we are, so we, we say, okay, okay, we'll, I'll, I'll come, I'll come and see what I can do. 
But Jesus had no doubt about his power, about his authority to heal the servant. So he says, shall I come and heal him? So when we come to Jesus, we should know that he is willing and is able to help. Probably he's the only person who is willing and who is able. Maybe there are many people who are willing, but only person who is able. So what we learn that in the centurion can come to Jesus and we can also come to Jesus for help and he is willing and able to help. The, the second thing that we look at today is the centurion's authority. Verse 8 and 9. So the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. My servant will be healed. For I myself, I'm a man under authority with soldiers around under me. I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes. I said to my servant, do this and he does it. Now the centurion's authority. So we see the centurion's request, but now we see his authority. Now in this, we will see two things again. The first thing is that know your place. Know your place. And second thing is that know Jesus Christ's place. Know your place and know Jesus Christ, the place that he occupies. First of all, know your place. The centurion, you know, doesn't come bossing around. You know, he is used to bossing around, isn't it? He can, he is used to giving orders. He could come to Jesus and say, Jesus, no, you know, I, I come as a boss. I'm the, from the ruler, ruling party. You know, I'm the ruler. Come and do it for me. No, no. He comes most humbly to Jesus, most humbly. Even Jesus, when he offers to come, what he says? He says, Lord, I do not deserve to have you under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Look at his authority, hum, hum, humility. Look at his humility. He doesn't flaunt his own goodness. He doesn't flaunt his credentials. He doesn't say that, you know, I being such a man of authority, I come to you. Now you have to reciprocate. I'm a man of authority. So you have to heal. You have to come. When Jesus says, I'll come, he could have said that, yes, please come. No. He doesn't come with any of his own goodness or his credentials or his authority. He comes to Jesus as a most humble person, he's crying for the mercy of Jesus and he seeks his help. You know, Jesus teach, uh, taught in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew in chapter five and verse three, the poor in spirit, you know, who are the poor in spirit? Are those who know and confess that they need God. To be poor in spirit is to acknowledge your spiritual poverty. To be poor in spirit is to acknowledge your spiritual bankruptcy before God. 
lack of spiritual resources. In other words, complete dependence on God. And that is what the centurion is doing. And the centurion did not consider himself worthy. He did not direct Jesus what to do. He knew his place. He knew his place. This humbling of himself before Jesus is absolutely necessary. Each of us, when we come to Jesus, we have to humble ourselves fully. We have nothing of our own to display. None of us are worthy. No one can claim anything from God. Jesus is not here to do our will. You know, we should understand this. Jesus is not here to do our will. We are here to do God's will. His will. So we can't treat Jesus like a servant. Come, do this. Heal me. Heal that. Do this. Do that. You know, sometimes we boss over and, and order Jesus to do a lot of errands, run around or teach, uh, heal. Do this. Do that. We are here to do his will. Please understand. Know your place. Know your place. Know your place. Secondly, the centurion knew the place of Jesus. Centurion comes humbly to Jesus, but also he comes confidently. You know, this is very important. Not only he comes with humility, he comes with a lot of confidence because you know, you, you notice this, this one. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. Just say the word. Then look at the confidence that he has on Jesus. Just say the word. That is authority. You know, in our place of work, when we work, the boss says something, we all do it. You know why? Because he has the authority. He's the boss. We know our place. But we should know also his place, Jesus Christ's place. He just has to say the word and the work will get done. So he doesn't ask Jesus to pray for his servant to get better, but simply command. Just say a word. See the dependence and, and, and confidence that he has on Jesus. He doesn't say that, well, you know, do something whenever you have time, please come or come now or do no no you I don't deserve I don't deserve to have you under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Will be healed. And he says, I am a man under authority. He himself knew what is authority. And but he himself was also under the authority of someone else. And that is how the authority chain went up all the way up to the emperor. And this is a very important biblical principle. Authority is given. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In Matthew chapter 28. Jesus has been given that authority. He is the son of God. The centurion knew Jesus' place and he put all his hope in Jesus' power and authority. Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word 
and he would be healed. So Centurion knew his own place and he knew the place that Jesus occupies. Thirdly, the Centurion's faith. We see it in verse 12, 10 to 12. So when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those, truly, I tell you, to, to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such a great, such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subject of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of, of teeth. Now look at the faith of the centurion. You know, the faith of the centurion is what has amazed Jesus. It, is, it amazed Jesus. And what Jesus says, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such a great faith. Such a great faith. You know what? Very important. Please listen very carefully. Faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. If one thing you have to carry back to your life for the next week, carry this. Faith pleases God. And the second thing is that faith alone saves. Faith pleases God. Jesus is astonished at the faith of the centurion. He's astonished specifically because the centurion is Gentile and yet he has shown greater faith than anyone Jesus has found in whole Israel so far. The miracle is the first recorded instance of Jesus healing from a distance. It also demonstrates great faith on part of those who came to Christ. Now it's not always that you can surprise God. Probably one way you can surprise God is by demonstrating your faith in him. It's my prayer and my hope that SDC as a community of faith would demonstrate such exemplary faith, such outstanding faith, God will be surprised. And you'll say, I have not found such faith in many places. And that is my challenge to you, brothers and sisters. Surprise God with your faith. Surprise God with your faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who honestly seek him. So that's the first thing that we know. We, we, we learn from this faith of the centurion that faith alone pleases God. The second thing that we, we, we learn from this, passage, this, this particular um, three verses is that faith alone saves. Only faith. Faith alone saves. 
Look at verse 11 and 12. I say to you that many will come from east and the west and will take their places at the feast of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Those who come to the east and the west refers to the Gentiles. The subjects of the kingdom here are the Jewish people. Now what Jesus is saying is basically that, that the Gentiles will be saved by faith while many of the Jews will lose their place at the banquet and they'll be thrown outside. Jesus sees this Gentile man's faith as a preview to what is going to come, what is going to unfold, a sign of the things that are to come. It's a curtain raiser for the things to come. Is it not a great, a, a great hope for each of us. We are like those Gentiles. We are like that, those Gentiles. So you know what? On the judgment, there will be a lot of surprises. But it doesn't need to be that way. God has already told us the requirements for entering the kingdom. To believe in his one and only son who died for your sins and mine. So Jesus is picturing heaven as a great feast with all believers from throughout the history. They're all gathering together and joining together. Don't miss your place at the table, dear brothers and sisters. Don't miss your place at the banquet table. Jesus commended the centurion for his faith. The centurion came looking for healing and found salvation and a seat at the great banquet. At the great banquet. Brothers and sisters, faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. And faith alone heals, saves. Faith pleases God. And faith alone saves. Please remember, surprise God with your faith. And faith alone saves. Finally, the fourth thing that we see is the reward, the centurion's reward. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. At that moment. We have looked at the centurion's request. We looked at the authority of the centurion. We looked at the faith of the centurion. Now, finally, the reward. The reward. You know, God works in response to our faith. Two things that we learn from this verse. God works in response to our faith. Notice, it is the centurion's faith that secures the healing of the servant. It's not the servant's faith. Probably the servant's would not have that kind of a faith, but it was the faith of the centurion. And God works in response to our faith. This is another encouragement to pray more, to intercede for each other, for people around us, people who are in darkness, people who need spiritual healing and have the faith. Have the faith. God works in response to our faith. Jesus 
words to the centurion are not an absolute promise for healing for all people at all times, but rather a commendation of his faith. It's a commendation of his faith. Notice that Jesus doesn't, uh, the centurion doesn't even push Jesus for healing. Rather, he submits to Jesus, to his authority, his will. And that is what is true faith. We don't push. We don't use him like Aaron. Do this for me. Heal that fellow. Do this. What the centurion is doing is that he's submitting himself to the authority of Jesus and his will. He says, I am the man with authority. So I know what is authority. And I know that you have the authority. Just say a word. And it's a pleading. He's just pleading. That is what is true faith. So when we submit ourselves to God through the faith in Jesus, God will work in response to our faith. So God works in response to our faith. Secondly, distance is not a barrier with God. Because God is omnipresent, because he's everywhere at all times, there is no such thing as a distance when it comes to God. And here, Jesus heals this servant from a distance. Now, distance is a problem for us. You know, right now, since we are sitting in different homes, in our own homes, we are not able to meet physically. Distance is a problem. So therefore, we decided to gather together from next Sunday and worship together. Distance is a problem. Both spirit, physically and spiritually. Matthew only records another instance of Jesus healing from a distance. And that is in Matthew chapter 15. You can refer to it later on. Where Jesus heals the daughter of a Canaanite woman. Also a Gentile healing recorded in Matthew. And just as with the centurion, Jesus commends this Canaanite woman for her faith. Isn't it very interesting that in both miracles of Jesus from a distance involved Gentiles and who were commended for their faith. For their faith. How is your faith this morning? Is it average faith? It is outstanding or very basic. You know, there is, there, there is a scope every day in our faith journey to enhance our faith, to enhance our faith. Because God works in response to our faith and distance is no barrier with God because he is omnipresent. So what have we learned? The centurion make a request. You can come to Jesus for help anytime. Jesus is willing and able to help. We know that he, Jesus, has the authority. And we know that we are weak. And we submit to him. And the faith only pleases God. Faith alone saves. And God works in response to faith. And distance is no barrier with God. How is our journey of faith this morning? It's not about that servant. It's not about healing. It's all about faith. The faith of a Gentile. 
assured healing and assured salvation for him. Faith alone pleases God. Faith alone saves. How is your faith, brothers and sisters, this morning? Trust him more. Trust him more. Trust him with all that you have. Because he is worthy to be trusted. He is willing and he is able. We can trust him more. Brothers and sisters, as we embark in this journey for this week, I would like to encourage you, trust him more. In all situations, trust him more. Submit yourself to him. Submit yourself to him. Trust him more. All the time. Trust him with all your life. Trust him with everything that you have. And, and you will see miracles happening. You will see people being saved. You will see your faith being strengthened. And you will see blessings of God in your life. Let's look to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word is so powerful. It comes to us so powerfully. Lord, one prayer that we come before you with this morning. Father, we want to trust you. Father, we want to trust you more. Oh Lord, we want to depend on you. We want to trust you with all that we have, with all that we are in every possible way. Oh Lord, we pray that increase our trust and our faith because only faith pleases you. Oh Lord, we want to please you. We thank you, Lord. We praise you for this wonderful opportunity to look at your word. We pray that through the week, we'll be reminded, we'll be refreshed when we remember the faith of the centurion and when we challenge ourselves to be more faithful to you, to have more faith in you, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.